you know, it's about stories and it's about connection and any way that you can do that is always going to be valuable. And welcome to the Green Jet Ski Podcast. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me and that music right there. Once again, thank you to Vincent Santamaria. Go to vincentsaint.com for more of his film score compositions. And I know it's January and I'm going to be talking about the movie, the 1978 classic Halloween. You're like, you missed it by a couple of months. Well, that's because I don't know a whole lot of people that love horror movies. My friend Matt Mungle will be joining us. He likes horror movies. We debate back and forth. But I was really elated when I found out another one of my acquaintances that really has a a passion for actually some of the best horror movies. And I still contend that the 1978 John Carpenter classic Halloween starring Jamie Lee Curtis, scored by and directed by John Carpenter, is one of the best. $47 million off of a $325,000 budget. That's not too shabby. How did it work? How did it get it right? And how did they scare you? Well, that's what my friend, energy healer, life coach, Carrie Gatto, is here to share some insight. And she wrote a paper on it actually back in film class in college, which you know me, I'm all about the written word and I want to find out what she wrote about. She's also got a tremendous podcast. I recently found out about this, the goddess and the chef podcast hosted by herself and her husband, Joe, who's a chef and a TV show host and an NPR radio program host as well. I'm just blown away, Carrie. That's some pretty cool stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me here. It's a pleasure to have you here on the show. So first of all, I also just found out you were born the day this film came out. That's interesting. That's pretty neat. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So my husband and I both are, are film buffs. He more than me, but you know, we met doing film actually. We um, oh. were doing independent film around Boston. Yeah. So a lot of film in my life story. Um and so, yeah, I think he's the one that originally told me that my birthday was the day that Halloween came out. And yeah, just a fun fact. What is your, I'm, I'm curious, we're going to talk Halloween. What's your favorite movie? Or do you have one? Overall or horror movies? Let's do both. Sure. So my overall favorite movie would be Moulin Rouge. That's I love one. that movie. Just That's gets better one. every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very partial to musicals in general. You and me both. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I just and- had on the the lead actor uh, that's in the national touring show for Les Miserables, and he uh-huh. plays Jean Valjean, and Nick Cartel is just absolutely amazing. He's outstanding. Great individual. Wow, that's awesome. That's a great, um, a great story, Les Miserables. And um, yeah, my favorite horror movie, I think the... There's so many good ones, but I really love The Shining. Oh, that's um, creepy. It's a good, that's have, a great movie. It's so creepy. And yeah, I have to watch it every single Halloween. It's just, it's like the pinnacle. Le- leave it to Jack to scare you senseless. Oh my, that some of the expressions he gets on his face. Priceless. Right? Oh, he's so good. So it's terrifying. Not- it's not a horror movie, but it is kind of disturbing. Did you ever see the movie Play Misty for me with Clint Eastwood? Actually, no, but I love Clint Eastwood. I love Clint Eastwood. I've heard about the movie for decades. Finally saw it the other night. Give it a watch. It's again, it's not a horror movie, but it's like 
oh my, it's disturbing. Okay. Thank you for that. Definitely. Yeah. Clint Eastwood's one of the best for sure. My favorite is Top Gun Maverick. That movie just blew me away. Love that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a classic as well. And I was going to wait till the end of the show, but my favorite horror movie is actually a movie you haven't seen, which is Halloween 2, the movie, the follow-up that they did for this in 1981, I believe. Okay. I, I've got to get on that. Yeah. I've never yeah, seen that yeah. one. It's it's so in a de- see, like a sequel more. Wow. Sometimes sequels work, not often, but sometimes they do. That's true. There are rare cases. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's hear about the paper. What? Why did you pick this movie? And what did you write about? Like what elements of the movie went into this body of work? I'm curious. Well, we're talking back. I went to school, grad school, actually, at um, Emerson College, mm-hmm. which is a very good communications college in Boston. And so this is a long time ago. I cannot truthfully remember why I picked this movie to do a paper on. But um, I remember I was in a class where we were exploring like sort of like the mythical undertones of film and like archetypes and things like that. And I mm-hmm. thought that was so interesting because I really and from that class and from my studies in film, like I've really grown to believe that film and movies are basically the myths of our time. You know, we used to gather around the the campfires and tell each other these stories and oral traditions would pass down for generations. Now it's the cinema. We go to the movies and we see these shadows and light like the campfires used to do. Right. And, and, and it really, they speak to our subconscious. Um, and we get to see those parts of ourselves that we don't usually think about or talk about reflected onto that screen in that forum. And so there's something so profound that happens in that experience. Um, and anyway, so I, I think, I guess something called to me about that movie, just because it does have a sort of like mythic um, shadow, um, like archetypal feeling to it. Mm. And yeah, and I, I, I don't, I wish I had the paper, but um, I remember the theme of the paper was that there's this like dichotomy of in, inside and outside that happens in the movie right from the very first shot of the Mm jack-o'-lantern you start with this very slow crawl right toward the jack-o'-lantern phase and then ultimately you go into it i believe Mm -hmm. the camera you know goes Mm -hmm. into the eye right so it's like this theme of like well we're all looking at each other from the outside but what's going on on the inside like we're all wearing a mask we're all um, projecting a mask of our own and we're seeing other people from that outside and like what's happening inside. I don't know. There's like this kind of like, and and there's a lot of shots coming from the outside of the house going into the window. And then of course, um, Michael Myers is wearing a mask, right? Yep. You never get to see beyond it. I, I love what you just said right there because my favorite scene actually doesn't even directly have Michael in the shot. You have Mm -hmm. Donald Pleasance, who is just one of the most fabulous actors ever as Dr. Loomis. And he heads back to the Myers house for the first time with the sheriff. And he's talking about what what internally went wrong with Michael and how we tried to help him. And then he he realized that there was evil behind the eyes. And so he had to lock him up and he looked truly scared that it was almost his failure of being unable to do his job 
and not save Michael and then not be able to keep Michael locked up. That is putting Haddonfield in this grave danger. And the way that he says it, you just you feel the fear coming off of the character. And it's just so powerful. Wow. Yeah, I agree that he has a great performance in that movie. And yeah, I love that scene too, because um, the therapist character is really demonstrating his, you know, his humanity and his empathy mm-hmm. and really feeling his guilt and his part in that situation. Whereas the, you've got the Michael Myers character who just seems to have no soul whatsoever. He just doesn't even seem human. He seems like a robot or a machine, right? He's just like, there's nothing behind those eyes. Like he says, and it's interesting. You'll, uh, I mean, I'm a Halloween series fan, and I've seen them all, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and you have the different characters try to relate to Michael Myers, and every time you're like, "Yeah, good luck. That's not happening." There's literally nothing you're going to connect to, right? And I think that's like the scariest part, right? It's like a human being that's just like not a human being, you know? No, absolutely. Because even some of us, you know, we all have our issues emotionally and mentally, but there's always something you can, in the humanity part of things, you can connect to that somehow, even if it's difficult, you can connect to that. Uh, This person or this embodiment of evil, you can't do that. That's kind of freaky. Exactly. And especially even as a kid, right? Like, a little kid usually is so easy to relate to and, you know, lovable. And even then, like, it's just, there's nothing mm-hmm. that you can grab a hold of. Carrie Gatto is my guest right here. She is a friend, energy healer, life coach. And we are talking about the 1978 classic John Carpenter's Halloween. Also got an amazing podcast that I, I want you to check out. Cause I, I, I think it's fabulous. I've only listened to the first episode. The Goddess and the Chef with her husband, Joe, who's also a chef, a TV show host, NPR radio guy, which I got to find out more about this because I was in radio for 24 years, Carrie. So uh, yeah, I just decided to make a career change and uh, now working nonprofits and doing my podcast. So uh, yeah, that's kind of fascinating that he does that. Yeah. Has he done it for, has he done it for a while? It's been going on, I think at least six months. That's cool. Yeah. Radio is yeah, a, a very great way to, to communicate. And I still people, Oh, it's dying. Cause the digital it's evolving. It's changing. I don't think radio is ever going to go anywhere. Yeah. I don't think so either. Cause you know, it's about stories and it's about connection and any way that you can do that is always going to be valuable. Absolutely. And we're always about stories and connections here on the show. It took 10 years, Carrie, I found out, actually, I didn't even know this. I was doing a little bit of research right before the show for John Carpenter to co-write the screenplay. I mean, that's a care for this movie, which you can tell by watching it. I would say even some non-horror movies now, I mean, they just, they put this stuff out like they're making sausage and you can can tell them the quality and you're, you're disappointed a lot of the times when you walk out of the theater. Yeah. And it does, it's not a very like big scoped movie, right? It it all kind of happens like in one neighborhood (laughs) over the course of uh, a night, most of it, Mm -hmm. one Halloween night. So it's like, yeah, it's not, you wouldn't think it would take that long to put together, but clearly there was a lot of thought and a lot of heart that went into it. 
Well, I and the writing is great. Even though mm-hmm. it's a simple story, you know, it's a classic for a reason. I have a friend who is actually writing. He's written a book series called Britfield in the Lost Crown, and it's a mm-hmm. seven book series. He's on book four, turning book number one into a major motion picture, starting pre-production this year. Okay. And I already knew a lot of one and two screenplays and pre-production and making movies because like yourself, I'm just a film buff. But when he tells me how many different drafts that he's gone through and how many different personnel that he is using, and then sometimes he works on stuff himself, these things are labors of love and they take a lot oh, of yeah. work. And and he's taking his time with it too. He's not just cranking it out like like sausage, like some of the other stuff that comes out today. I wish every single movie took the time and the care to develop the characters, develop the stories, because that's what draws you in. And then suddenly, 46 years later this year, Halloween is still considered one of the greatest horror movies of all time, but that's how you do it. There you go. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but like I was saying earlier, I, my husband and I met in doing independent films. So we have, we have produced movies, feature length and shorts. And so I can speak from experience about the labor of love part. It is so labor intensive and there's so many details and minutiae that go into it. Um, But of course it's super fun. That's why you do it. It's so creatively rewarding. Yeah, we met doing our first. He was writing and directing a feature film, and I, I came on as a producer. That's that how is we neat. Yeah. But what what film did you guys meet on? It was a comedy set in a bar. Okay. Um, Joe had been working as a bartender. Mm-hmm. That's my husband, Joe. Um, he'd been working as a bartender for many years, so he just wrote it about his experiences as a bartender. It's very funny. Well, yeah. now I know you really have a passion for film. I did not know that you had uh, produced films with your husband. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it was just, you know, it was like the most exciting thing I could think of. I went, I majored in psychology in college, mm-hmm. but I was like, I don't think I'm cut out to be a therapist and sit in a little room and listen to people, you know, whine about their lives all day. So <laughs> I changed gears and I was like, any future projects? You guys are going to work on more there. stuff in the future? Well, Joe has a cooking show that I um, helped him to produce and he's got a few different other TV shows kind of in the hopper that he's writing. And I have, I, my love is really for the writing piece more mm-hmm. than anything else. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on a book and I create a lot of content for my coaching program as well. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So is the book coming out this year or next year? Hopefully this year. Hopefully I've been working on it for a couple years. So but my coaching program, launching that business kind of took precedent because mm-hmm. I just really wanted to get it out into the world and doing the business end and actually coaching clients is helping with the book as well. So it's all kind of tying in together. But yes, I, I hope to have it out this this year. Well, next time we have you on, we'll have to get a, an update on the book. Yeah. yeah. Hold me accountable. <laughs> Absolutely. Got to get it out. Back to Halloween right here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. Carrie Gatto is my guest. What's your favorite scene in the movie? Oh, great question. I mean, I think it has to be the classic one of him marching across the street toward the house, right? Mm -hmm. With that like death march, that Mm -hmm. steady walk that's just so deliberate and again, kind of inhuman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just so simple, but yet 
terrifying. What's interesting in the later iterations of Michael Myers, they have him almost running and sprinting. I'm sorry. Really? Uh, I'm like, that's not as menacing for me. I mean, no. I'd rather see somebody like slow and methodical. And that actually scares me a little bit more. I don't know why. Yes. Yeah, something about the pace of it. It's like he doesn't, he's not even concerned that they're going to get away. He knows that mm-hmm. they're dead. You know, like he's just so confident in well, his own power. And then you, well, then you get, if you had any doubt, you get to the end of the film and Laurie's barely escaped. Loomis comes back to the house. Loomis runs up, shoots Michael. Michael falls off of the balcony. By the way, spoiler alert, if if, if you haven't seen the yeah. movie, I'm not concerned at this point. It's a very old movie. Michael lands on the front lawn. He exchanges words with Laurie and then goes back to look out and Michael's gone. Yes. And that is also, that's just great. That's how you write. That's chilling. Yes, totally. Like I can feel it on my spine right now. (laughs) The suspense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there have been 13 multiple movies in all, unfortunately. Uh, The original is the best by far. The others don't work. Some of them do. Two, I, I, again, I highly recommend because there's certain aspects especially the setting. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a taste here, Carrie. It takes place in a, in a hospital overnight where there's nobody there. And oh, that see, already sounds very scary. You see Michael march some of these down slowly, some of these hallways, some of these corridors. And at certain points, Lori, who's still recovering from injuries from the first movie, is crawling down the hallways. like, And he's just marching towards her. It's great stuff. Uh Okay, I'm definitely going to check it out for sure. So if you had to give us some more insight about maybe what was in the paper or what, why you think not just film, but this specific movie of Halloween is actually pretty integral in our culture about how the human mind is made up and how we can find out more about ourselves, what would you say? Because I don't think I had a conversation with somebody like, oh, movies are just movies. I'm like, oh, no, movies really show us about who we are, where we've been into what makes us human, good and bad. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, this was really like the first slasher film, right? This was, this kind of created a new genre, really, of slasher films of that time. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you think of slasher film, a lot of times there's sex involved and there's just sort of like, uh, theme of, you know, there's sexual activity and then there's a death. <laughs> there's like, it's a punishment. It feels like a punishment for um, sexual exploration. And so I think there's definitely something to that where like, it was a time in our culture when, you know, sexuality was becoming more prevalent, more visible. Um, and, most people were no longer concerned about like going to hell, you know, um, versus like the beginning of that century, right? Things had definitely shifted in that regard. And yet um, there's something to that theme that happens in slasher films. And that was really the first film that I can think of that presented that to us. No, I think you bring up, bring up an excellent point because regardless of what people's view, I know there's lots of different views out there, on sex some people uh mm. including myself 
think that you should save sex for marriage. But even if you don't, you you look at the 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 way that it's presented and on screen. I think with what you just said that that a lot of that ties thematically it ties together and i think that's why in some of these horror movies you some people would say that it's senselessly put in there but i would but i would say that like you just said i think the two are tied together in a very thematic kind of a way yeah and because it's specifically casual sex right it's not mm-hmm. a married couple getting together to make a baby it's casual sex that we're talking about in these films so it's like this idea that if we're just sort of like being so careless um, with our bodies and I don't know, like, like the characters of those people are very, you know, mm-hmm. they're mindless, right? The ones mm-hmm. that actually do get killed, they're, <laughs> they're all about, they're drinking, they're smoking, they're just sort of like partying and not really caring about anything except the moment, having fun and doing their thing. So, and then they get, they go to see that and as break. punishment. Now here's Michael Myers for you. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> you know, what's interesting. Yeah. I never thought about what you just brought up because I, I, I had noticed that over the years, but I guess I never really thought that deeply into it, that perhaps there is a deeper reason why you do see some of that in the horror genre. And I think now, actually, if I were to have a conversation with some of the directors or the writers, they would probably agree with that. Maybe not all of them, but I think, offhand, I would say uh, probably a good number of them would say, yeah, that's why it's there. Yeah. And I think too, because horror movies always do kind of reflect back our shadows, like our, our fear, our subconscious fears and our subconscious desires. Any, any further thoughts as we close here, Carrie, on uh, what you thought about the, uh, the original movie and why it made such an impact on you maybe and your, and your love for film as you got older and did some of your own things in life. Yeah. I mean, as you know, like I, I talk about a lot about feminine energy and I teach about, you know, sacred feminine archetypes. And I, um, I always pick up on those kinds of themes too, when I watch movies and clearly there's, you know, masculine and feminine at play in this movie. And, you know, maybe there's also, I think, I would say some sense of like fear of the feminine fear of, women coming into their own, like, how does that affect the man? The masculine brings up a lot of questions for our culture. Like, how is that going to work? And um, movies like this, I think, do tap into that sort of like primal fear and duality between masculine and feminine. And like, where's the balance, that kind of thing. Because there has to be a balance. You and I have talked about that off the air and you can Mm. um you know you can't have a strong man without a strong woman and and vice versa there there's a reason why they're both energies should be there exactly right we need them both we need them and we need them to be both healthy and healed and i think there's a lot of movies like if you've ever seen um u-turn by oliver stone Mm -hmm. i think that you know that too it speaks to like this toxic masculine toxic feminine dynamic and what happens when they kind of go into a tailspin. Right. But when we work together, when, you know, masculine and feminine, feminine energies work together, then it's very supportive, mutually conducive. But if not, if it's off balance, it goes totally sideways. 
Oh, and regardless of what people's belief system is, I mean, I, I believe that's why God made us. I mean, God made man and woman to help each other, not to be, you know, one superior over the other. I don't think it works that way. Yeah, I agree completely. Exactly. Well, thanks for taking some time on the show with us today, Carrie, and talking a little little bit about Halloween. And I learned a little bit. I learned you were born on the day this movie came out and I learned that you and your husband have made uh, movies together. Both of those things are pretty cool. And I can't wait to have you back on the show. Maybe talk more of the horror genre since a lot of my movie buff friends aren't uh, really into that. I would love that. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's great chatting. Great chatting with you. And I imagine people can get the uh, goddess and the chef podcast at all of the uh, podcast platforms. It's out there everywhere. Correct. That is correct. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Carrie, for joining us on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for having me, Noah. Bye-bye.